Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Bug Eyes Rock Pop Rambles. We're back. Woohoo! Woo! Ow! Ow! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what else to do. So I thought I'd try and go higher. That was than brilliant. You. <laughs> um, yeah, we're back doing the podcast. It's been a minute. Well, I mean, this might be the only one we do. Who knows? But hopefully we... Well, the plan, the plan is, is to keep actually it keep it up. But we took a bit of a break because we've we've been busy bees. I know. Life started back again, hasn't it? Yeah, so social lives, work, REM cover. Yeah, we actually played a gig. We did. Did we? Yes, yes. we did. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we did. It seems so yeah. long ago, doesn't it? I I mean, it wasn't. It was only a couple of weeks or something uh, yeah, like that. Yeah, we played a show. It's just been, yeah, it's taken a minute to get back into our routines again, hasn't it? Yeah. Out, fig, kind of figuring out how we used to fit this in before. I know, I know. But um, but I feel like I've kind of got into the rhythm of things yeah, again. exactly. And I've really missed doing this yeah, as same. well. So uh, we just did an Instagram Live with um, Kin. Yeah. The band, and that was a lot of fun. And it reminded me a lot of like the podcasting stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so it's just like, yeah, actually, it's just nice to kind of have guests on or just chat to each other about random shit yeah. and forget about the world outside for a bit because things are pretty crappy at the moment, yeah, actually. it's not great. It's not it's great. It's insane. And I think our friend Sonia summed it up really well on social media the other day. She said, I want to have something like clever to say about the situation of everything that's going on in Afghanistan, um, you know, the, the horrible crimes of hatred against women, the misogyny at the moment with the gun shootings in Plymouth and then also in Camden, which we still don't even know what's going on with that. Um, well, just everything, really. It just all seems to be kicking off. And, uh, yeah, it is difficult to, to, to find the words of what to to say to, really. Yeah, no, it is. It's just, it just feels like one of those moments again where um, everything awful seems to be happening at once and, like, you yeah. already thought it couldn't get bad enough, right, with COVID and I know. everything else, uh, and it just finds a way to keep getting worse. But that's why sometimes, you know, we don't want to ignore that it's happening, right? We want to address it how we need to, but also we need a little bit of escapism. Yeah. And recording a podcast is a good way to escape for a minute and talk about something else. Exactly. And you will hear random dog noises in the background. Like you just heard someone shaking, shaking, shaking their body. <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to keep myself from I being know. licked to yeah. that while trying to talk about a very serious subject just then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's Lily is guest on the podcast tonight. But um, I'm your host, Angela Martin, and co-host tonight is... Kerry... that was interesting (laughs) i did that without even slowing down the audio i just did it with my mouth yeah i'm sure that people will be shocked shocked (laughs) (laughs) it's a talent it's a talent well we have a theme for tonight's show which is songs about revenge i quite like theme shows me too yeah, there's also there's there's one I want to do, which is um, the story behind stage names. Oh, that's a good one. Because I read an article about that the other day, and there were a few 
that there was a few mm. sort of examples. I thought, oh, that's interesting. And I started Googling. I was like, oh my God, there's probably like a whole series just yeah. about this. So we totally need to do that. But but for today, it's songs about revenge. Yeah, out of the sort of options you sent, I felt like that one seemed like it would be a fun one to do. Yeah. With some interesting stories. Yeah, I, I, I am a little bit worried this is going to be like podcast episode slash gossip column, at least on my side. But... <laughs> Mine's thin on the ground with facts. I'm going to say that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) We don't need too many facts. It's a discussion point. And I actually think the premise of the show is we start off with a theme, but who knows where we'll end up. That's true. So you never know what tangents we're going to go on on Rock Pop Rambles. That's why it's called Rock Pop Rambles. Exactly. There is space for a ramble. There is. And there's also space for new music. Like that link there. Look at you. It's like we're professionals at this or something yeah someone give me a job um <laughs> yeah so <laughs> so we've we've actually got a lot more new music than normal that we'd feature on the, the show normally it's a couple of tracks but we've been away for a couple of months i think been now actually actually it's been a while it's been summer and there's been some spring. banging new tracks in it in it in it in it and we've been to some shows we've been seeing played know, live right? so first up that we're going to play is our friends berries who We've played on the show previously, and Holly from Berries was a guest. She was. And did an a kick ass job guest. covering Jimi Hendrix. Um, but we went to see Berries play last week, was it? I think it was last week. Yeah. Oh, God, the days are all blurring now. I know, so right. we went to see them play at the. Um, at the Grace. At the Grace in Highbury and Islington. I'm like, trying to get you to finish it. It's like, you say a word, then I'll say a word. <laughs> Um, yeah, so and I'm play, also trying not to talk over you. So I'm, I'm like, struggling. should I speak? Should like, I not just, speak? just fill in the blanks. Remember, fill in the blanks. Trying yeah. to remember how to do this podcast thing. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, so we saw Berries play last week, which was brilliant. So, so good. Really, really good. Yeah. Um, so much fun. And it was really cool to just see like a bunch of people that we would normally see at gigs that are friends of ours and. And it was the first non-socially distanced It was gig. that we went to. Although in my drunken texting on my profile, I put, this is my first non-social gig. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I sat, I sat in the corner and didn't speak to anyone. Yeah, That's not true. I, there was perfect. a word that I Actually, no, I went, to, I went to one non-socially distanced gig before this one, which was chemtrails. Oh, I so, so wanted to. Well, I was supposed to you go to that, but then I was away. You were so, on holiday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just so nice to get the crew back together, wasn't it, basically? I know, I know. And we've just got so many gigs that we're going to and playing ourselves. And it's just, it's good to be back. Very good. But yeah. Before we ramble anymore, should we play Berry's new one? They've just released um, a song on Extra Mile Records called The Expert. And what they say about the song, my nifty little notes here, the expert is based broadly around imposter syndrome and the condescending controlling people encourage this and internal struggles often felt. Um, it's a really good song. Brilliant song. Fantastic guitar skills by Holly on yeah, that one. Yeah, can totally relate to imposter syndrome as well. Is that you? Just in general. <laughs> <laughs> It's a cracking song anyway, so this is The Expert. Thank you. 
so that was berries with the expert um, do check them out on facebook why facebook spotify Bandcamp. Instagram, everything. All of the places. All the things, but I think the most important thing is to buy a record or stream yeah. stuff or do both. And go to a gig, because you can do that now. Yeah, spend your pennies. I'm not sure when their next London gig is or what their tour plans are, but... Um, I'm sure they're doing very exciting things. I'm sure they've got a lot of exciting stuff in the pipeline, so make sure you check them out. All right. Are you ready for some revenge, Songs Kerry? about revenge. Bring it. Right. This, um, I, I've got like a dad playlist on my iPhone, right? Uh-huh. And it's a dad playlist because it was for my dad's birthday and it was all like songs that he likes. Yeah. And that came on, my, my the kind of electrics in my car sort of freaked out and then came back on and it switched on this playlist. Uh-huh. So it was just all this like kind of dad music. And this song came on and I, I hadn't really listened to the lyrics too closely. And I just thought... This is fucked up, right? <laughs> so I'm going to talk about the song, I Did What I Did for Maria. Do you know this song? I don't know if I do. Oh, God. I'm g- okay, I'm going to play you a little snippet yeah. and then you tell me what you think this is about, Kerry. Okay. Obviously, it's a song about revenge, but what type of revenge? Who's it by? It is by, I'm going to go into it, it's by Tony Christie. Okay. Okay, so... What's the Tony Christie song I'm thinking? Is this the way it's to Amarillo? Really? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> that, that was um, his biggest hit, yeah. actually. But this this was also a massive hit, which I'll go into in a bit. Sunrise, this is the last day that I'll ever see. Out in the courtyard, they're ready for me But I go to my Lord with no fear Cause I did what I did for Maria Right, okay, okay so... I mean, that seems pretty innocent so far. Yeah, yeah, it does. It sounds like you should go, oh, but then... Then, <laughs> right, I've got the lyrics here. Okay. So, well, actually, to be honest... So this was released in June 1971, and my other song I'm talking about was also 1971. Mm-hmm. It was like the year of revenge. Well, right? interestingly, in fact, one of the ones I'm talking about wasn't released in 1971, but it was written in 1971 as well. I think it was the year of revenge. It there sounds was some like really it, yeah. big fucking things that went on, right? Yeah. Which I'll talk about in a minute. But yeah, so this this song was recorded by Tony Christie, but it was written by and produced by Mitch Murray and Peter Callender, who I'll talk about in a minute mm-hmm. about those two. I d- again, I, I don't have a huge amount about this, but there's some interesting little bits about the characters mm-hmm. involved. Um, but yeah, so this song went to number two in the UK charts. Mm-hmm. Same in Ireland. Um they loved it in New Zealand, went to number one, right? <laughs> Big bad. Um, Big bad yeah, of revenge. Yeah, New all 10 people who live in New Zealand, just joking. <laughs> I know there's more than that, but um, there's 12. Um, so Australia, no, I'm not going to read off all the countries and chart yeah, positions, no. but the, the point the point <laughs> is it was a loved song. Yeah, it was a successful people song. People thought it was great, but like basically it's a murder ballad. Nice. Right? Um, and I think it's it's, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. It's pretty disturbing, but it's kind of it's about it's basically about a widower who is waiting to be to be executed for something that he did. Okay. And he's recalling how he avenged his dead wife. Wow. Right. It's really dark. Um 
Yeah. So, you know, he's the first verse is literally him waiting to be executed. Yeah. And he's going, I'll go to my Lord without fear. <laughs> it's like, fucking hell, right? Um, but yeah, so I mean, the lyrics go on, I won't read them all, but there's essentially, there's a verse that goes, now, actually, I'm going to play this verse okay. and then I'm going to read the lyrics to you so you can hear this okay. because it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, yeah. Laughter. Echoed across from the end of the street There was the man I was burning to meet And my mind was so calm and so clear As I took my revenge for Maria And he fell to the ground Raising dust all around But I knew he was dead Long before he went down It was quick, it was clean Made it easy on him Which is more than he did for Maria what the fuck did he do to Maria? Like, seriously. <laughs> like, you know, so basically he goes and shoots someone yeah. and he's going, but, you know, I took, it, I, mm. I was I was kind because I just took him out straight away, yeah. which is more than he did for my wife, yeah. essentially. It's like, what the... Th-? Yeah, and the, the chorus is like, take an eye for an eye and a life for a life and somebody must die for the death of my wife. <laughs> um, yes, I did what I did for Maria. I did what I did for Maria. It's a pretty dark subject it's, matter for what's like a relatively it, jaunty pop it song, just right? just sounds really... Yeah, yeah it, is, it is a ballad. It's yeah. like a really kind of... Yeah. But there is something like almost quite theatrical about it Oh, as well, totally, like, totally. It's that kind of like theatrical storytelling kind of song. Yeah, yeah. And and to be honest, I think it's a great song mm. in, in the sense that, you know, you do have this kind of naivety pop ballad to it. Yeah. The lyrics are really dark and I don't think I've heard a song by a pop artist that, I mean, I know that they're up, but I mean, for the time. Yeah. That is basically saying, I took a gun and went and shot someone <laughs> and now I'm going to be executed. Yeah. Um, it's how, I'm interested in how that came about as a song. Do well, you know? that's, that's what I wanted yeah. to know, but I couldn't find anything yeah. about it. So anyone listening, um, if you know, why or how that was written because the the people which I'm going to go into the people who wrote it it's not their typical sort of song either right, okay. right? so um but so Tony Christie I actually thought he was American mm. especially with this song because it's like execution and mm. the the death penalty I know there was a death penalty in this country but it you know was was gone yeah. for a long time. But in America, obviously, it still is there in the States. Um, but no, he's a Yorkshire lad. Hmm. He's from Doncaster. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, is that interesting? But yeah, well, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that. So. And his real name is Anthony Fitzgerald. And I wanted to know why did where did Tony Christie come yeah. from? But again, couldn't find anything yeah. on it. But um, but as for the writers of that song, so Mitch Murray's first major songwriting success was How Do You Do It? And it was picked by producer George Martin, who insisted that it would be the Beatles' um, first single. Okay. It wasn't, though. It wasn't. Um, So he took that recording and he then gave it to Jerry and the Pacemakers Mm -hmm. and it became their first number one hit and really launched their career. And then the Beatles' version (laughs) of it um, was never released until the anthology... Um, compilation kind of album thing that was released in 1995. Right. So, you know, they, they were hit writers. I mean, they, you know, they wrote 
huge amounts of songs for a variety of, yeah. of people and I'd never really heard their names before so I well, found that quite interesting well it's kind of standard though isn't it yeah for that time especially I mean well even now there's always people behind the scenes that write a lot of the songs that are <clears throat> what make it in the charts right that aren't names yeah. you're particularly aware of but then in 1968 <clears throat> um, Mitch Murray became the youngest ever director of PRS mm-hmm. And then in 1971, he founded the Society of Distinguished Songwriters that is still a a thing today, like Gary Barlow's part of it, and there's like a board and they do lots of like really good work. Interesting. Um, But my really interesting facts on Mm -hmm. this um, is a kind of early version of streaming. Okay. Right? I love this kind of crap. But it's it's, (laughs) because, you know, when you just think... Why would anyone do that? But yeah, that's just how people did things back then. But I'll actually tell you rather than like vaguely. <laughs> so in the mid 1980s, yeah. just before the privatisation of British Telecom, mm-hmm. Mitch Murray wrote and starred in a series of comedy programmes, right? The Telefun Show. Okay. Telefun, which was only available for listening via the telephone. And you would phone a number and then just listen to it. Wow. Yeah, and it had like over 300,000 calls a day. So instead of like streaming on Spotify, you phoned a number and listened. People would do that. They would listen so what, to so shows. You, so, so you would phone it and it would just be something that was running. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. would join into at whatever point. No, it would start when you oh, joined. Oh, it would start yeah, when yeah. you joined. Oh, interesting. Yeah, or maybe it started at a certain time of day. I think it must have just like been you dial in at a certain time. Yeah. It must have been because they wouldn't have had. Yeah, how would that work otherwise? Yeah, yeah. No, you've pulled me up on that one. <laughs> so, yeah. But, but yeah, I, I didn't know that. Existed. No, I didn't know that was a thing. But then, you know, it was similar, I suppose, in a way to the contemporary sort of dial a disc service. Mm. So there must have been a way that you could just dial up and listen to an album. Mm. So maybe it was a show that when you dialed up, it It started from there. Yeah. So interesting. But yeah, I, I did find it interesting because it is like the first sort of telephone streaming thing. Yeah. But like, what a busy bloke. Like, you know, yeah, he did a lot with his he did with his minutes, and it he? doesn't doesn't even finish there, right? He's written several best selling books. You'd think, oh, it's about music. No, 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 no. Mitch Murray's One Liners for Weddings <laughs> in 1994. Mitch Murray's One Liners for Business, <laughs> and Mitch Murray's One Liners for Speeches on Special Occasions. Wow. And the then king I looked One Liners. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the king of everything. <laughs> Um, but Peter Callender, and I thought, oh, yeah, I wonder what he's done. And he just did folks. I'm sure, Peter, you've done loads of stuff. So I didn't mean <laughs> Not- to belittle you down to the one <laughs> sentence I've written here. But um, but he co-wrote songs and performed on like loads of records, including things like, you know, he wrote for Silla Black, Tom mm-hmm. Jones, Cliff Richards, Shirley Bassey, The Tremlows, um, like so many artists. And obviously they together created mm. I did what I did for Maria but I really wanted to hear a backstory to that yeah. but like, not unavailable why they chose to write that song yeah like I don't know I thought there might be some sort of oh it was based on we read this article it was about this guy well, yeah, in America exactly. who, whether it was based on a true story or based on you know um, or a fictional story or you know listeners if you want to find out for me that would be really good <laughs> that'd be re- I, I, you can come on the show and, and tell us about it yeah I'd, I'd love to to know what that's about, but in my my Google efforts, couldn't couldn't find it. Nope, nope, nothing on Wikipedia. Just the the pure facts. <laughs> and if that it's it was not on Wikipedia, we're not going to find it. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was um, 
I did what I did mm. for Maria. Interesting. I feel like you've raised more questions in some ways than answers, but that's also okay. That's what we should do in life. Never stop questioning, that's Kerry. That's true. That's true. And that's... don't stop believing. <laughs> Which is the next... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we do have some more new music for you at this point um, from another one of our favourites. Uh, Arcs have a new song out. Came out on the 6th of August. And it is called Not Alone, But Not With You. Have you heard it yet? I have. You have? I have. And I've seen their nifty little um, social media posts of little animations and stuff. Very cool. So um, what Hanny says about the track is, you know that sadness or guilt you feel when you're surrounded by people you love, but you are just missing that other person. Maybe it's a loved one you've lost. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a partner. This last year has been different for everyone, but we've all had people we've missed. Um, mm. which I think is a sentiment we can all definitely yeah. relate to this year. And I think another thing that we've missed is seeing live music and we're going to go see Arcs on Saturday. Yeah, they're headlining at the Lexington. So by the time the show comes out, we'll have been there, done that. <laughs> but for right now, we're very excited about yeah. it. So here is Not Alone But Not With You I'm by Arcs.
was Ox with Not Alone But Not With You. Another they, just incredible song by them. Re- they're just really pumping them out. When I say pumping them out, but they feel like a, it's sort of like a powerhouse of writing. Yeah. yeah. They just keep getting better and better with each yeah. single, don't they? Pumping out absolute genius yeah, at the ex- moment. exactly. They also were guests on our show. So if you want to listen to them talking about music and random stuff about Brighton and various things and uh, their attempts at, at beating me at a quiz. If you want to hear my, my super interesting facts about Brighton through the form of my wonderful quiz. Yep. It's called Welcome to the Horse House, that ap- episode. Yeah. That so, um, yeah, go check that out. It's quite, it was, I think it's one of my, my favourite podcasts that we've done. It was good. It was really funny. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it was funny. It's probably not funny to many people. But... <laughs> well, I think it was funny because ARCs are also very entertaining and funny people as well. More yeah. so than us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're like random facts. Yeah. Like um, collective nouns. Oh, yeah. We had a whole big conversation, didn't we, recently about we collective did. nouns it's for animals. It's my favourite thing. It is my new favourite thing. So every type of animal... There is a word that exists as its collective noun. I don't know who came up with it. It's so random, but it's fucking brilliant. Embarrassment of pandas. Embarrassment of pandas was a good one. Snuggle of sloths. That was your favourite. Yeah, that is my favourite. <laughs> that just makes me want to cuddle someone. Um, a prickle of porcupines. Pandemonium of parrots. A flamboyance of flamingos. We could keep going. A model of guinea pigs. Oh yeah, that was good. This is, this is like the test of how many can we remember from that day. <laughs> there were some random ones. There really were. I think we've said most of my favourite ones. Yeah, that's what An I. An embarrassment remember. of pandas is brilliant. Like poor pandas. Like who decided on that? <laughs> but I, was, I was talking to a colleague of mine about that, and I took it as in like an embarrassment. Like, They're an embarrassment, you yeah. know, just like yeah, get get back behind a bush, you embarrassing <laughs> pandas. And she went, well, no, it's just because of their shy nature like pandas are like quite shy so that's why it's really cruel that they're in zoos and stuff because like they they would never what because obviously you know they've expressed that we never want to be looked at um yeah we would never do selfies um but yeah so she that's why it would be an embarrassment because they're just quite shy and meek and i thought i just went to a different place i I, I personally think that what happened is that people were coming up with his names and they went pandemonium of parrots first and then they got to pandas and they went oh fuck we've already named the parrots pandemonium because it should clearly be a pandemonium of pandas shouldn't it i suppose are pandas like kind of chaotic yeah but that just makes sounds better doesn't it well, yeah, it it's does. all fucking random. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Could be a bad name, Pandemonium of Pandas. Yeah. Bit of a, yeah, tongue twister. It is a bit of a tongue twister. Yeah. Anyway, we've gone off topic. Aren't yeah. you supposed to be talking about I a am, song about I, revenge? I am, I am, I am. And I didn't, I didn't really, you know, I didn't really think of this one initially. And it was when I was thinking, well, I'll, I'll talk about the top ten and... Mm-hmm. Just do the rundown of that. And then mm-hmm. the first one I found was like, oh, yes, how did I not think of this? Um, how Do You Sleep by John Lennon. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is from John Lennon's Imagine album, which was released in 1971. Mm-hmm. Um, the Year of Revenge, as we've established. The Year of Revenge, which I've put in caps here. <laughs> caps, but I should have done. Year um, of Revenge. Or so it would seem, I've put. Um, it makes some scathing remarks to Paul McCartney and it was in the aftermath of Paul's kind of successful lawsuit in the high courts to dissolve the Beatles as a legal partnership. Okay. Um, so John Lennon 
sort of gave a pretty damning interview as well, Rolling Stone magazine, where he was quite brutally honest about the Beatles and their recent breakup, amongst other things. And then, you know, Paul McCartney lashed back with stuff. It was like I hadn't kind of really appreciated the sort of, I'm going to call it pettiness, Mm. actually. But, you know, when you hear it from the side of John Lennon, it was like the Beatles broke up because Paul McCartney was really controlling. And after the death of their manager, Paul McCartney took on the management and was trying to organise them all to get in the studio Mm. and and do stuff. Um, And then they came up with this sort of democratic view that they would all take two songs each and write them, put them out. And Paul was like, well, that doesn't really make sense. Mm. Like the album needs to kind of, you know, we're all being influenced by different things yeah. right now. Yeah, there yeah, needs yeah. to be. But then, you know, but to John Lennon, it was like, oh, Paul just wanted to write everything. And the Let It Be film was all about Paul. I mean, Paul didn't make the film, someone else did. So, you know. Not necessarily his fault. No. And, but then you can kind of see John Lennon's point of view, maybe Paul McCartney was quite controlling yeah. because George Harrison also sort of agreed with that to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um but then on Paul McCartney's side, it was like, well, Yoko Ono was just like a massive influence on John. Yeah. And he just became this negative force and didn't really want to do anything and wanted to just rock up and be ad hoc with stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, I just think it was a band that just needed to to break up sure. and not be together. And yeah. so Paul wanted to detach himself from that and mm-hmm. the way contractually that it was all done and a joint writing force and all of this was right. quite restrictive. Paul just wanted out. Yeah. Um, and they wouldn't let him. So he took them to court and mm-hmm. basically he sued them yeah. and got out of that contract. Okay. And there's a lot of bad feeling mm. um, between John and Paul, not the other members. Sure. And they all collectively, they all work together on different projects, just like individually with yeah. each other, but never together as a band yeah. again. Um, on that um, following the release of Paul McCartney's second album Ram which was in May 1971 Lennon sort of felt attacked yeah. by McCartney and retaliated with his song of How Do You See right but um, John Lennon actually thought that a lot of songs from Paul McCartney's album were about him which they just weren't sure and Paul McCartney admitted um, later that there was a line in his song that that was a dig at John, but I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna share some of these lyrics. You can decide, like, come on, man, like, yeah. is it is it really worth it? Yeah. So let's start with Paul McCartney's "Too Many People." Okay. Right. So, without looking at what Paul said, mm-hmm. was was the line? Mm-hmm. I looked at the lyrics and I thought, okay, maybe, maybe it's in this verse. Maybe it's in this verse. So it's like. Too many people going underground, too many people reaching for a piece of the cake. Right. Um, too many people pulled and pushed around, too many waiting for that lucky break. Um, that was your first mistake. You took your lucky break and broke it in two. Right. right. And I thought that maybe there was a reference of, you know, reaching for a piece of the yeah. like, power struggle. Yeah. Um, and then the too many waiting for that lucky break. Yeah. There was a lot of, like, thought that... Um, and Yoko Ono had a career before mm-hmm. the Beatles, before she got together with John Lennon. Let's all note that. Yeah, for sure. But there was a view that she was using this to, 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 to push her. Herself. Yeah, exactly, to elevate her profile. So I thought, oh, maybe it's that. No, it wasn't that at all. Okay. The line that refers to um, to, to John Lennon 
Um, and it's a little reference at that. Um, and, and basically, Paul McCartney in Playboy... Why did everyone do interviews it, with Playboy? Isn't, isn't it so... so I, I, find it, I find it so interesting where, like, yeah. these quotes and things come from and where people did interviews Playboy, and stuff. yeah. It's very interesting. So this was in 1984 as well. So it's yeah. like, really? But anyway, yeah. And he says, I was looking at my second solo album, Ram, the other day, and I remember there was one tiny little reference to John in the whole thing. He'd been doing a lot of preaching and it got up my nose a little bit. In one song I wrote, Too many people preaching practices... I think, you know, that that was the line and it was a little dig at John and Yoko because he was preaching. Mm. Um, there wasn't anything else on it that was about them. Um, but also just because he says that doesn't necessarily mean that's true. No, right? That's no, just what he's admitting to. No, exactly. But, um, but yeah, but like when you read the lyrics... I think I think knowing that there's a line like what I did, you go, yeah. "Oh, is it this? Yeah, is it yeah, that?" Yeah, yeah. But um, then when I did look at the sort of lines thing in the interview, they um, everyone thought he was going to piss of cake, and that it was it was like <laughs> that's what he was again missing missing. Yeah, yeah. And it's not it's a piece of cake. Yeah. It doesn't like piss of cake. And what's that even mean? I mean right. It's complicated, isn't it? Because it, this yeah. is the sort of stuff that's going to come up in what I'm talking about as well. This idea of like. Are lyrics about someone specific? Are they about something specific? And the reality, I think, of when you write lyrics is that, yeah, sometimes they might be slightly influenced by something that happened with someone, but they're always sort of about more than that, aren't they? And it's always like it might be slightly inspired by a situation with a specific person or I don't know how often. I'm sure that I think sometimes it happens, but I don't know how often you really write a song to have a dig at a person. Do you know what I mean? And it's like when Grace covered um, Positively Fourth Street by Bob yeah. Dylan, which was well, totally I mean, about that. Yeah, I think in what I'm going to talk about, maybe some yeah. of it is, but it's always complicated when you write lyrics. I think it's always about more than even what you think it's about sometimes. And it's always supposed to be applicable to, yeah. you know, a wider situation. And, you know, it's yeah. rarely very specifically about one thing, is it? No, 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 exactly. Um, and so my, my last bit on this is the the John Lennon mm-hmm. lyrics. So his was in retaliation to what he thought was like an album that just had like everything was about him, which, you know, I read some other lyrics and stuff and it's like, well, not re- you could read, you, you're reaching, you're just looking yeah. Yeah. for something here. Yeah, you want to be annoyed. <laughs> but yeah, so um, just a few of the lyrics from um, from John Lennon's song. So this is How Do You Sleep from the Imagine album. It says, how do you sleep? So Sergeant Pepper took you by surprise. You better see for it, right through that mother's eyes. Um, <laughs> those freaks were right when they said you were dead. The one mistake you made was in your head. Um, so, like, you're imagining all this stuff with Yoko. Yeah. And the, 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 what I really love about that verse is there's a reference to the, the Paul is yeah. Dead conspiracy. Yeah, 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 and then yeah. that interview talks about it. Yeah. I mean, that um, is quite specific and very yeah. clearly about Paul. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, if you want to know about that conspiracy about the Paul is Dead, listen back to episode two, Cock and Ball Story, because that we cover that yeah. in, in there. And then he's put um, also, a pretty face may last a year or two, but soon they'll see what you can do. The sound you make is music to my ears, which is elevated music yeah. um you must have learned something in all those years like it, his is a proper it's very proper attacking. attack yeah and even the interview um george harrison had released 
an album at the time and Paul had, had also done that and he went, well, Paul's is rubbish. It's the worst <laughs> stuff he's ever written. I'm sure he can write better than that. Yeah. And then George's, he was like, yeah, yeah, George's great. You know, it was just, yeah, yeah, it yeah, just yeah. was all seemed just quite petty. But, um, but Paul McCartney did um, basically offer a truce. He wrote a song called Dear Friend. Right. Um, which was about basically trying to, to kind of get a relationship back with, mm-hmm. with John Lennon. And, you know, they did actually make up. Yeah. In That's in good. a way. Um in sort of between the you know, the um Lennon disappeared, didn't he, to his what was dubbed the lost weekend. Mm. And basically an accidental reconciliation happened with McCartney and it was while um I believe John Lennon had had a break from Yoko Ono and was with someone else. Okay. I can't remember her name. And um, Lennon and Paul McCartney bumped into each other at a studio, but Paul sort of orchestrated it. He knew Lennon was there and showed up. Right. And um, essentially they jammed together and they then started chatting on the phone and becoming friends again. Well, I mean, you know, on more friendly yeah. terms. But, you know, it wasn't a complete reconciliation and, you know, Lennon died and Paul always felt like he didn't really know whether it had ever been right. fully resolved, Resolved. really, between them. But you can you can listen to that jamming session actually that they did. Um it's it's a kind of bootleg release called A Toot and a Snore in seventy four. That's cool. So you can listen to that. And that's the last time they ever played together. Wow. So uh, that was in 75. So that are my two songs Very of cool. revenge. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Yeah, I um I really I really enjoyed looking into that. Yeah. To I've, be honest. I've missed these uh educating yeah. moments of podcasting. It's nice to get back to it. Um all right, so we've got some more new music because we're smashing out all the new music tunes today. We are. We are. So next up, we have a tune by Brighton-based band Jen, who we've played before. We have, indeed. Um, and we are big fans. Um, so they are going to be playing with Lions soon in London, aren't they? 9th of September, I think. 9th of September at yeah. the Grace, where we are also playing on November 19th. Yep. It's the place to be at the moment, it I feel. Is. Everyone's playing there. Um, so their new song, Catalyst, is out now, uh, or it will be by the time you hear the show. Um, and this is what the lead singer Leona says about the song Uh, the word revolution has often been used in more grand ways throughout collective history but Catalyst started as a more personal rediscovery realising that every day is a work in progress in order to wake up from the coma of tradition it's very well written isn't it it is (laughs) it is it's more articulate than I think I'll ever be I know it's very very articulate yeah big fan of that (laughs) but so this is Catalyst by Jen (laughs)
Enthusiast by Jen. What did you think? I really like it. I like the, the the kind of the guitar hook that flows throughout to keep it sort of, you know, it has this really good, strong rhythmic mm. bit going on and quite powerful vocals. Yeah. Really different from the last record we played of theirs, but I suppose that's what I quite like about Jen, that it's like they still sound like Jen, but yeah, they're yeah, kind yeah. of... They've, they've got multiple layers to what they, they yeah, do. Yeah, definitely. I feel sort of like Savage's vibe. Yeah, yeah, on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is no bad thing. No, we love Savage's. Big fans. We are indeed. Right. right. <laughs> As we go to Jinx, most of that is so oh, So it's your turn, Kessa, to entertain me. Me to tell, educate you. Educate me. Educate you on songs about revenge. Entertain and educate. Okay. Uh I am going to talk about another song that was written in 1971, The Year of Revenge. Uh, You're So Vain by Carly Simon. I love that song. Before you start, do you know the random bit in it? The random bit in it? Yeah. Have you heard the random bit at the beginning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But play it. It, It's like my friend Emma pointed, I never noticed this bit. Um, And then she just plays it to me and almost crashed my car for laughing. (laughs) It's not that funny, but to me, it was just everyone's um, ready to crash their cars on this. So here here we go, and I think I think I'm gonna actually just start using this as an audio clip and then get sued, obviously, um, (laughs) throughout the podcast. When I am shocked and surprised, I am gonna say, "Son of a gun!" Son of a gun! Son of a gun! It's Why very is random. that even there? It is very random. <laughs> I love it though, but go ahead. Go so, ahead. as I said, the song was written in 1971 by Carly Simon, but released in November 1972. Um, it is a critical look back at a self-absorbed lover about whom Carly Simon says, you're so vain, you probably think this song is about you. And it is. And it is. So the, the big question is, who is the song about? Tony Christie. <laughs> if only. You, well, it has been the subject of great speculation over ye- all the years since, basically. Um, and is it, it's not about anyone, is it? It's just a good song. Well, Carly Simon has never fully revealed the answer, but there are many theories, and she's also like totally played up into this whole mystery and everything that's been ongoing yeah um so i'm gonna go over a few of the theories and what she's admitted to and what she hasn't okay etc so um mick jagger sang backing vocals on the song did you know that no he's uncredited he sang he sung backing vocals on the song where where is it i don't even remember there being backing vocals in which bits well there are backing vocals and they are sung by mick jagger um and he was one of the early candidates to be considered as a potential subject of the song um in her memoir um simon recalls the feeling of raw electricity between Mm. her and mick jagger during recording the sessions for the song but then it's already written isn't it so how could yeah so and also she writes about a mutual attraction so hot that having sex would have actually cooled things off. So no one really knows to what extent their relationship was, but Mick Jagger's wife, Bianca, called the day before Simon's wedding to James Taylor to tell James that she that he shouldn't marry her because she was having an affair with Mick Jagger. But James Taylor trusted her and they did get married. Anyway. Yeah. So whether or not they had an affair, no one really knows. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but she said many times it's not about Mick Jagger and it was written before she ever met him. Yeah, it just makes sense. doesn't sound... I mean, if you're singing backing vocals on it, it's what it just... That feels a bit... 
Yeah, exactly. Not, it doesn't really make sense, yeah, right? No. But that was one of the early theories. And then there's also a whole other question of like, did they have an affair? Did they not? Who yeah. knows? She had a lot of um, relationships with famous people though, mm. which has also played into the whole mystery behind the song. Yeah. So as I mentioned, she was married to James Taylor from 1972 to 1983. So including during the release and popularity of the song. So he was also a popular target for speculation. Yeah. Um, but she quickly denied that it was about him during an interview the couple did together for Rolling Stone in 1973, where she said, it's definitely not about James, although James suspected that it might be about him because he's very vain. <laughs> she told Music Magazine. Um, uh, and there is, there's a, there's a line that says, um, then you flew your Learjet up to Nova Scotia yeah. in the song. Um, and unfortunately, there was a situation where James Taylor did take a jet up to Nova Scotia, but it was after she'd written the song and then doing, saying he was saved by the fact it wasn't a Learjet. <laughs> <laughs> but that sort of played into the idea that maybe it was about him. But okay. she claims it's not about him. Um, so in August 2003, mm-hmm. Simon agreed to reveal the name of the song subject to the highest bidder of the Martha's Vineyard Possible Dreams charity auction. Yeah. This is a big deal, this thing of like, who's the song about? Okay? Yeah. So with the top bid of $50,000. You just you could just make it up. $50,000, Dick Ebersol, the president of NBC Sports and a friend of Carly Simon's, won the right to know the name of the subject of You're So Vain. But a condition of the prize was that he could not reveal the name. Um, so... Ebersole said Simon allowed him to, to tell a clue about the person's name. Yeah. So he said, Carly told me that I could offer up to the entire world a clue as to what she'll tell me when we have this night in about two weeks. And the clue is the letter E is in the person's name. Everyone. Everyone <laughs> famous. Has an e. Everyone I've ever <laughs> slept with. They all will think this is about them. That's the clue. So the letter E is in the person's name. I thought you were just saying everyone I've ever slept with has an E in there. <laughs> about yourself. No. <laughs> I mean, I feel like there's an E in most names. Um, but um, And then in 2004, um, Simon also told Regis Philbin that if I tell it, it's going to come out in dribs and drabs. And I've given out two letters already, an A and an E. I'm going to add one to it. I'm going to add an R in honour of you. So she said that there's an A, an E and an R in the name. Which again, are all very common letters yeah. in a lot of names. Anyway, so these are like the clues that have sort of come out over time. Uh, and then in February 2010, so this is mm. on... I mean, the song came out in 1972 and this is still like a subject of like conversation in 2010. So I've got to say, she's been pretty smart with this in my yeah. opinion. And she's totally using it to her advantage to keep interest in the song going and to publicise things that she does moving forwards. So in February 2010, um, she gave a clue to whom the song was about when she told Uncut Magazine, you know what, I'm just going to tell you this. The answer is on the new version of You're So Vain on my new record, Never Been Gone. There's a little whisper and it's the answer to the puzzle. Son of a gun. (laughs) If only. Uh, so during the song, she whispers the name David. Okay. So by this time, she had already eliminated some famous Davids, like David Bowie but, and David Cassidy, who okay. had been considered yeah. possibilities at one point. Um, so multiple... Well, do you have any guesses before I tell you who people thought it was? 
No, I okay. don't at all. So multiple media outlets quickly reported the subject was David Geffen, who ran oh, Simon's Electra yeah, record yeah. label at the time of the song's release. So they surmised that the song had been inspired by her resentment of the attention Geffen had put into promoting her label mate, Joni Mitchell. Okay. Um, however, mm-hmm. in an email to Showbiz411, whatever the fuck that is, um, <laughs> Simon said that Geffen is not the David in question. She wrote, what a riot, nothing to do with David Geffen, what a funny mistake, someone got a clue mistaken for another mistake, adding that she never even knew Geffen in 1971 when the song was written. Uh, uh, so, so hang on, what, what letters, is she, she's done a, an E, a D... And an act. She's just going to reveal every letter of the alphabet, she right? So to be fair, the letters she revealed don't fit David Geffen. Okay. It's, e, a, it's A, E and R, and there's no oh, R in right, David okay. Geffen. And she said, how how can this guessing game stop without a lie, she said. Um, anyway, so she has admitted to part of the song being about one person. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, when it came time to promote her memoir... <laughs> Um, Boys in the Trees in 2015 of course she divulged the second verse uh, which starts with you had me several years ago when I was still quite naive is about the actor Warren Beatty I actually think the song is about a collective of of things of course it is right a collective of people that she's but she's sort of trying to claim that each verse is about a person ah okay but I think it's totally just a way to like it's obviously about all of these people, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she's now, so she's admitted or claimed that the second verse is about Warren Beatty and said that the other verses are about two different men who she wouldn't name. Um, and Beatty's reaction, apparently, Warren thinks the whole thing is about him, she said. Um, and in a 2007 interview, Warren Beatty said, let's be honest, that song was about me. Um, and apparently in 1983... Simon said that Beatty certainly thought it was about him. He called me and said, thanks for the song. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the producer of the song, Richard Perry, has also said that Simon was essentially referring to Beatty while also evoking other previous relationships in her life. So I was right. I think that's probably the answer. Everyone. But I think that it's totally just a case of she's totally used the mystery to her advantage. Yeah. um, And why wouldn't you? Yeah, to keep promoting the song, to promote anything new that she does. Like, I think that... Yeah. You know, she probably didn't quite expect the level of like speculation and yeah. everything that would happen around it. I think it's partially because she has dated lots of famous people is what plays into yeah. it as well. Um because then people everyone wants to be like, Oh, it's about that person, it's about that person. Um but once she realised that that was a thing, she's totally played it out over yeah. decades to her advantage, which is quite impressive, I think. Someone paying a shit ton of money to to just know who it is like come on seriously are you that obsessed do you well, care no, that I mean this it was a charity auction wasn't it so it, again that was just a reason yeah. to give money to charity wasn't it they're friends like I'm sure that he could have asked and she would have told him but yeah. um, it also just makes for an interesting yeah, story doesn't no, no, it true. and again plays into more publicity for it all yeah yeah, Abs- absolutely. absolutely. So, it was, that was the marketing budget. It just went in as that donation. And uh, yeah, yeah exactly. there you go. So yeah, so that is uh, You're So Vain by Carly Simon. And love, love, love that song. Absolute tune. I was going to say again, son of a gun. <laughs> son of a gun. <laughs> that's, got, that's got to be in one of our songs. It's got that. It's and, got to happen. And what was it, Paula? Just... What, confused, you said. <laughs> we just talked about basically. I sense sometimes I get inspired by that. Like, I hear something and think, "Oh, I love what they're doing with that." I'd love to like write a song in that sort of vein. Mm-hmm. And so I'd sent ESG 
songs, a couple of songs, as in I want to do something that's kind of largely driven by bass and drums. So, you you know, have a think about that and we can jam stuff through. But for some reason, I mean, this didn't happen to Kerry no. No, or I, anyone no. else. I think this is really just says more about what, Paula was listening to I don't know every, in her time. every time if I'm honest because she she messaged me she went I don't know where you're really going with that second song because it's really busy there's so much going on I thought but it's it's just basically like really and basically every time she clicked the link it took her to a totally um, different song a totally different song called sex music sex music by Beck <laughs> so what by a band called Beak whoever Beak. they might be oh that's a Beck no it was Beak, Beak. 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 um <laughs> yeah, but the greatest part of it is that after listening to sex music, she had come up with a bass line. It was a really good bass line. It was really line. good and has become the basis of a maybe our next song. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks, Beak, for sex music. <laughs> it accidentally inspired our new song. <laughs> Talking about new music, should we play Ooh, something new? Let's do it. What have we got next up? So Shattercones, who've played on the show before. There's just been so many bands that um, we have featured in the past. And it's not just about featuring the same bands on the podcast, but it just so happens that right now, loads of people have released yeah. really great things. Loads of releases. And so at the beginning of August, um, Shattercones um, basically released a new song and it's part of an EP and they've, they've kind of got a schedule of releases of, of, of new songs come out in the next ones sort of in September time. But I really wanted to play Butterfly Room, which was one that came out early August. Mm-hmm. I think it was like around the 6th or something like that. And it's the first song that's released from this new EP that comes out in October. And um, I mean, the description they sent, I was very intrigued. All right, it was like, Butterfly Room is 120 seconds of Viola and Slide-led chaos and us reading out headlines from newspapers from the day. And I thought... It's very artsy. It's like, that's either going to be really good or really terrible. <laughs> um, it's really good, right? It's really good. It's, it's fantastic. And that's the thing that I really love about them because they're incredibly... Um, inventive with what they they do and they experiment with sounds it's very imaginative and just bloody good yeah and they're not afraid what they do think outside the box and try something new it's really really good i love it and you might as well just hear it now okay here it is this is butterfly room by shattercones
So that was Shattercones with Butterfly Room. I just love the way they're just unafraid to just experiment and play with stuff. And it's just, yeah, I just, I just really love what they do. I just think, you know, yeah. I think it's really cool. I think it's that like sort of, it's sort of a cacophony of sound, isn't yeah. it? That they're yeah, creating, yeah, yeah. but it actually feels quite emotive. Yeah, and I think is a very good way to sort of capture how it feels at the moment. Really, it, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and it's almost like I mean, I, I don't know too much about the song, but even the title where it says "Butterfly Room," mm. it's like a butterfly is something that should be free and out, mm. but it's in a room. So is it about? And then all the headlines. Is it for me? It kind of my meaning from that song is sort of how lockdown felt yeah. being in a room and the only thing you're watching is the daily updates mm. the news mm. all this sort of chaos yeah, that's yeah, going yeah, on yeah. and we should be you know ordinarily to, to get away from this stuff we're free to go out and meet our friends and escape this stuff but you can't you're trapped in a room sorry I'm probably no, no, it's probably not about that at all maybe but that's maybe what not, I but, yeah. you know, yeah, you know that's what I took from it yeah your interpretation is totally valid and I totally see that and get that from it as well yeah, so as I said, we we featured a song from them previously called Starlings, um, which we really, really loved. And I think that was our first kind of experience of, of that band, actually. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but a constant feature on my, on my Spotify at the moment. So yeah. uh, definitely go and check them out. Well worth a listen. Well, I mean, you've just heard one of the songs. So go <laughs> and go, listen to more. Yeah, go listen to more and more and more. So, Kerry, what's up next from you? So... I feel that we can't talk about songs without about revenge without talking about Taylor Swift. I'm so glad that you picked this because one. Because I feel like she's the fucking queen of revenge songs. She, she's, yeah. And there's even, a, interestingly, a link. Is there? To uh, You're So Vain. So in 2015, Taylor Swift listed uh, You're So Vain as the number one song that made me explaining that it's coy look at a famous ex-lover was an inspiration for many of her songs. Amazing. Which makes total fucking sense. Yes, absolutely. Um, and Swift even brought Carly Simon on stage to sing the song with her at a concert at Gillette Stadium on July 27, 2013. And she says that after the show, Simon told her who the song was written about, apparently. Ooh. So apparently Taylor Swift knows as well. and She didn't have to pay $50,000 for it. Ah. <laughs> um, but... I mean, there are so many songs I could pick yeah. from Taylor Swift because uh, there's like Forever and Always about her breakup with Joe Jonas, better than uh, Revenge, which is allegedly about the actress Camilla Bell, who Joe Jonas dated after Taylor Swift, mm-hmm. Dear John about John Mayer. Yep. But the one that I picked was Bad Blood. Okay. Um, do you know much about this song? Yes, I do. Okay. I know, well, I know a bit, but I haven't done, I'm sure, <coughs> the fine research that you <laughs> I don't know the only reason I know a lot about Taylor because we did an episode and featured a song from Taylor yeah. Swift and I went quite deep into like the secret reference it was about secret references mm, and songs okay. to things yeah so there, there was a few bits okay in that not not particularly about that okay, but cool, that cool. song but yeah um I mean I don't know how deep I went into this yeah. research if I'm honest it's been done <laughs> very quickly um but this betrayal anthem finds Swift chronicling the tension between herself and another female musician Ooh. so uh she claimed to Rolling Stone that the bad blood between the pair arose after her rival tried to sabotage her entire arena tour 
she she said that she did something so horrible i was like oh we're just straight up enemies I feel like i need to say this in an american accent but i'm not I, going to i really want you to i really and i want you to do like hand gestures a lot i actually want you to go and have an outfit change as well just dress up as taylor swift and I, I don't think I can. I don't think I think I've got too embarrassed now. Uh, she said, and it wasn't even about a guy. <laughs> it had to do with the business. Um, she basically tried to sabotage an entire arena tour. She tried to hire a bunch of people out from under me, and I'm surprisingly non-confrontational. You would not believe how much I hate conflict. So how now I have to avoid her? It's awkward, and I don't like it. Um, she also said to Rolling Stone that she hopes the press don't turn the lyrics into a gossip fest. Okay, can I just can I just say one thing, Robert? Taylor Swift, she doesn't like confrontation, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not criticising for no. it because she calls out yeah. so many things, which I think is is great. Sure. Um, and she's unafraid of confrontation, mm-hmm. is what I would say, because her whole career has has been yeah has has been this and very played mm-hmm. out in the media and. And gossip. So mm-hmm. the fact, I, 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 yeah, I do sort of question this song though. I do question sort of calling out another female musician, sort of in the way that she did. And what did you? I don't I do, know. Well, what I'm going to go into is, more, yeah. in it, but and I do call out when I go a little bit more into how, as well the way she talks about it. I thought doesn't paint her in the best light. Yeah. But also like saying that she hopes the press don't turn the lyrics into a gossip fest, while she's very clearly saying well, it is about somebody. Well, that's that's like, what I was you're just saying. Totally in, leading it into a. That's what I'm saying. Fest. For someone who doesn't want it to be confrontational or gossip, yeah, you're you have it just that. basically exactly said you didn't that. have to say that. Yeah. So I do question that. Um, so she put so she says sometimes the lines in a song are lines you wish you could text message somebody in real life i would just be constantly writing all these zingers like burn that would really get her and i know people are going to obsess over who it's about because they think they have all my relationships mapped out but there's a reason there are not any overt call outs in that song my intent was not to create some gossip fest i wanted people to apply it to a situation where they felt betrayed in their own lives that's fine but then you did this interview (laughs) do you know what i mean like that's the part where it falls down a little bit it's like you're not calling out the person by name but you're saying it is about a person that person's gonna know it's about them Yeah, but I mean, it's. <sighs> but then I suppose it's a case of if you're in an interview and someone asks you, what's this song about? Okay, but then. I know it, but she didn't give away any names and she's saying it's not going to be obvious. Yeah, but, but I don't know. I, d- I don't know. I think. I don't totally agree with how she's gone about it all, if I'm honest. I feel it's a bit questionable. Well, I mean, the fact of. I, I think, you know, if you're going. To say that stuff, then you know there's going to be a level of speculation as to who that is. And I think you also know that that speculation is going to do wonders for the promotion of your track. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> do you know of what course. I mean? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, inevitably, despite her concerns about the song turning into a gossip vest... It totally turned into a gossip fest. <gasps> Surprise! <laughs> Son of a gun. So, do you know who it is largely agreed the song is about? No. No uh, idea? No, no, no. So, media speculation centred on Katy Perry. <gasps> Ooh! Okay. So Why? Taylor Swift and Katy Perry started off as close friends as their rise to fame came around the same sort of time. Mm-hmm. Um... 
An examiner.com interview described how three dancers on Taylor's tour left before it was completed to join Katy Perry's. So she talked about stealing people from her tour. Yeah. So there were three dancers that left her tour and joined Katy Perry's tour. Um, also, several sites pointed out that Taylor had dated John Mayer before he then dated Katy Perry, which might have also added to sort of friction yeah. between them. As much as he said it wasn't about a guy, maybe it was a bit about a guy. Um, and Katy Perry herself tweeted a Mean Girls reference um, saying, watch out for the Regina George in sheep's clothing uh, not long after the Rolling Stone interview came out. Mm. But I, I also think that if you were one of her female celebrity friends, you may question whether people would then think it was about you, whether even you had done I mean, anything I mean, I think it's not. pretty it's largely agreed at this point, as much as no one Katie said Perry, that it was yeah. about Katy Perry, that it was about Katy Perry. Yeah. I don't think there's much question about also, it. But then also, it's just like... <sighs> Did those three dancers have a booking clash and it was like they were on a tour that was then dates changed and they had to go off to another tour? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, know the ins, I, don't know the in, I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but essentially they did fall out and there yeah. was a massive feud between them for ages um, with, yeah, tweets like the Katy Perry one that I referenced and the, the interview and it seeming like it all sort of made sense that the song was about, and then I think Katy Perry has also referenced things in her lyrics which I don't have I think it's a bit extreme to say them. sabotaging a tour by three dancers just well yeah I don't know maybe there was more to it than that that's, yeah. the, that's the reference that was brought up in the media um, but there might have been more to it than that I don't I don't have the whole whole story in depth I think it's but... a fi- there's a fine line though isn't there about um writing about things that personally impact you Mm -hmm. and being true to your emotions and and what's affecting your life, but then also maintaining some kind of privacy. And there's some things that just shouldn't be in the public eye. Yeah, exactly. And I don't, you know, especially when she's writing about it, like I would just be constantly writing all these zingers like burn and that would really get her. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't like that way of thinking of going about songwriting personally. You well, know. I just, I just think that kind of aspect of revenge is quite, just that situation and, and saying things like that is incredibly immature. Yeah, is incredibly immature. Yeah, and I think that okay, no matter how you might see what had happened, however you might view what happened, I don't agree with sort of trying to tear down another no, female no, artist. No, 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 that's, and, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's just, and especially if that person was once your friend. Oh, exactly. Do you not just have? Do you not just out to them to have a chat with them? Well, exactly. And actually, have instead a of conversation, writing a revenge song, and just try and sort it out. Yeah, because surely relationships are worth more than. Yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. I, d- I don't know. But look, that, that's all... Um, I, I like Taylor Swift. Well, yeah, I'm not saying that I don't um, like Taylor Swift necessarily. I'm, I'm just saying I think this song in particular is one I find a little bit questionable. Yeah, I, I think out of in it, it's, from it's that kind point of, of view. But yeah, I mean, it, it goes back to the Paul McCartney and John Lennon thing well, as well exactly. in their songs. Like, I think it's, it's childish, but yeah. then I suppose... I'm not justifying it anyway. I'm, just, I'm actually trying to understand where you would get to in your head yeah. that you think that's okay. Yeah. If this is your world and you're surrounded by that and we write about things that impact our lives and that's the big thing for you. Yeah, for sure. I, d- I don't know. But anyway. Know. It's a bit uncomfortable. It's yeah. a bit uncomfortable. But for those that like a happy ending, after years of subtle digs and cryptic lyrics about each other, their friendship reignited 
after uh, Taylor asked Katie to appear in her You Need to Calm Down music video. Um, and speaking about why they patched things up, uh, Katie spoke with Ellen, revealing we have such big groups of people who like to follow us. And so they kind of started turning against each other a little bit too. And it was really unfortunate. I'm all about redemption and forgiveness and for setting an example for those younger people that it can be cool to ask for forgiveness and confront someone that you may have an issue with or a pro- problem with and talk it out. So in the end, they did the right thing. Yeah. And they made it up and they chatted about I it. I suddenly had a vision of like football hooli- hooligans, <laughs> like Katy Perry fans, Taylor fans yeah. and the damn pub, oi, 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 kicking off. Um, but we all know that in yeah. reality that was all happening over Twitter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Faceless with yeah. like really bizarre usernames. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, oh no, I'm glad that they, I'm so pleased they made <laughs> I'm so up. They I'm made so up. happy. I can like sleep I say, well tonight. I feel like that one especially went a little bit gossip column Um And not even that interestingly because it's all in the past. <laughs> not even current gossip. But in case you missed it, that was a bit of gossip about when Taylor Perry, uh, Taylor Perry, Taylor Swift and Katy Perry fell out and then made up. But again. then do you think there's a kind of pressure for Taylor Swift to be that though? To there to always be some sort of controversy? If there is, about... she's created it though, hasn't she? Like she's no, I know, but then it kind of becomes a machine, and know. then yeah, I don't know. I get what you're saying. I'm, I'm not trying to, and I'm not trying to say that Taylor Swift is a bad yeah. person or anything like that. I'm just saying that in that particular instant where I feel like she was very much okay she wasn't naming her but she was making it clear it was like a fellow female artist and she was sort of trying to tear her down and you know write things that would hurt her is is something I don't really agree with kicking it off in a like global media exactly And and I think that she totally used it for publicity as well yeah hmm wow that's naughty To sum up, that's naughty. <laughs> that's it. Songs about revenge are naughty. Yeah, there that's we how, go. There we go. Sum up this episode. So there, there were loads of songs we could have featured on this episode. Obviously, um, we'll be creating a playlist of our favourite revenge songs. Um, there was an Alanis Morissette one you ought to know, which I think is quite a good, mm. a good one actually. Mm. But I thought that was a too obvious one to go down that route, or maybe not. I don't know. I mean, be on the playlist anyway. We'll stick it on the playlist. But yes, do message us if we've missed off any that you particularly love, or actually if there's any like really random ones, like I did what I did for Maria that you don't think of immediately. Yeah. Um, please let us know. And also, if you know any more details about that song, that would be just make it up. Or more just make it up and send. Yeah, anything that we've talked about. You can, as I said, just make it up and send it to us. We'll <laughs> believe it. <laughs> make up a story. We'll say it like it's truth, and it will become truth. Therefore. Exactly. Isn't that what Wikipedia... No, I'm joking. Wikipedia <laughs> is a trusted source in some regards. Right. Um, sure. Yeah. No, I love Wikipedia. Uh, we would be lost without it. This so, podcast would not exist without ex- Wikipedia. Exactly. So thank you so much for listening, as always. Um, we're Bug Eye. Please do check us out on social media at Twitter at Bug Eye Band, Facebook and Instagram at um, Bug Eye Music. We're also on Patreon. And our patrons get access to free music from us, um, bonus podcasts, 
exclusive made up words exclusive <laughs> merchandise um early bird ticket i can read off the list it's a fun place to hang out so come and join us there but also check out all the bands that we've mentioned and we'll have links to them in the show notes and it's good to be back Kerry. yay this has been lovely it's I've been had a really lovely good time. yeah and then when the mics go she goes i'm gonna burn you <laughs> I'm supposed to send over text carry to me, not on like face to face. Burn! <laughs> I'm going like to write a revenge song about yeah, you. Yeah, I've already written 10 about you. <laughs> Sounds about right. I've, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to end on um, a new song by Portobello Express, who we've played on the show previously. Um, they're a band from Vienna. And the song that we're going to play is Only When She's Gone. And this is from the EP that's called You Cry and we actually played that song You Cry on a previous episode and that came out this this summer I think it was probably on one of our last shows actually that we played it um, so lead singer Betty said this song helped to identify the source of a lot of sadness and anger in life it's quite a personal song that talks about Betty's mother actually so just listen to the lyrics and you'll get the, the sense of that Port Bello Express are from Vienna as I just said and we absolutely love them and I really hope they come to the UK soon because they're absolutely lovely. They're just really nice people online across social media and their music is great and I think they'd be fabulous live. And, uh, yeah, I, I really, yeah, listen to this song. It's, it's a great song, powerful vocals, the lyrics are great and that emotion really comes through on this song. So I think it's a good, I think it's a good one to end on when you feel like someone's sort of, slighted not just slighted you but just really emotionally Mm -hmm. affected you so um this was songs about revenge and this is our last song that we're playing by portobello express only when she's gone over and out (laughs) 